Everybody and welcome in to the pre-holiday break edition of the Stretch Big Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Bigelow. I know what you're thinking. Jacob, you said you'd do a pod if Nebraska beat Kansas State. And I do admit I did say that going into the game last weekend. Then I didn't get home from Manhattan until almost midnight due to choices made by myself. Um, and then this week has just been busy as all get up. Uh, there were multiple nights this week where I got done with my day job and I said, need to record a pod, get something out for the people. And I got home and just passed out, fell asleep, just exhausted, um, you know, holidays, day job responsibilities, all sorts of stuff going on this week. So my apologies once again for a little bit of a layoff, but thankfully Nebraska basketball is also on a layoff until the 29th, and they are 10-2 and two before Christmas. Uh, this is the first time Nebraska has started a season since the 2018-19 season at the 10-2 and two mark. 2018, uh, Tim Miles' final season as the head coach. They started 10-2, and two, and uh, in December they beat Cal State Fortin at home to go to 10-2. and two on the year. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the last two games, the trip to Kansas state last weekend, a little inside baseball on my trip to Manhattan as well. And then we can talk about North Dakota as well. Um, Was not expecting, well, kind of was, wasn't expected to be that close, kind of expected to be sloppy, but we'll talk about both those games. Um, Some questions I still have through 12 games. Um, Christmas, Christmas break questions, um, and maybe some, some pre new year wishes for the Nebraska basketball program, as well as a look around the big 10, uh, last weekend may have been the weekend that the big 10 bounced back. If not for Indiana peeing one down their leg at home against Kansas, but there has been some happenings recently in the world of Husker basketball. Let's go back to the game in Manhattan. So, um, Sunday afternoon matinee game, the Sunday after finals. Uh, Bramwich Coliseum was full. It was packed. The student section was full about 45 minutes before the game. And it was, I was, I will say this, I was thoroughly impressed with Bramwich Coliseum as a venue and with the atmosphere. Uh, They've clearly put a lot into uh, fixing that place up. It's nice. It was a good, uh, it was a cool atmosphere for a basketball game. Could only imagine what it gets like down there during a marquee Big 12 home game for Kansas State. Uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Never been to Manhattan before, and I I enjoyed the town. I liked it. Uh, The vibes were good. Spent some time in Aggieville um, Saturday night when I got to town, and uh, Sunday night after the game, before I went home, had dinner with uh, a fellow uh, Husker media member after the game, and I like the vibe. Good town. Good place. Really tough to get to. There's no easy way to get there. But um, I I was uh, impressed by my trip to Manhattan, Kansas. But I was more impressed by the result on the court. Nebraska defeated the Wildcats 62-46 to uh, this past last Sunday in Manhattan, in part due to a incredible effort on the on the on the glass and on defense. If you listen to my game preview pod. Uh, before Nebraska went to Kansas State. Those were two things that I put a big onus on uh, were defense and the boards. Fred Hoiberg talked about the importance of rebounds. You know, when he met with the media before they 
got on the bus to go down there, uh, talking to Juwan Gary and Rink Mast after the game in Manhattan. That was definitely something that had been harped on all week long leading up to it, and they dominated. They won the rebound battle by 17. They had 22 offensive rebounds as compared to Kansas State's 13. And even when offense was not the name of the day, and you know Nebraska only shot 35%, both from the field and from three, they didn't score for the last four and a half minutes of the game. But that game was well in hand. Uh, they were up by 18, um, just under five to go when Casey Tomonaga hit a three, and I, that was the kill shot. That was the dagger. Um, Kansas State just never could get any flow into their offense. No rhythm at all. That's a credit to Nebraska. Also have some questions about Kansas State in year two under Jerome Tang. Uh, they, you know, this isn't a Kansas State podcast, but I'll, you know, they kind of the way they carry themselves as a team, the way they go about their business, uh, kind of gives me AAU team, dysfunctional AAU team vibes. Um, they have a they they love them some them that's for sure. But talked going into the game about the three headed trio: uh, Perry, Carter, Kaluma. Um, they all averaged 16 a game. Kaluma was at half his average on at with eight on two attempts shooting, 0 of five from three. Uh, Cam Carter four for 17, 12 points. Tyler Perry three for 11, 11 points. He only attempted one two. I uh, took a bunch of silly threes. Um, and you know, I was sitting next to Wilson Moore, Omaha World Herald. That's who I had dinner with too after the game. Shout out Wilson. I doubt you're listening to this, but um, and I told, I said to Wilson before the game, I think if Kaluma's taken a bunch of jumpers, that's a good sign for Nebraska. He took five threes, missed them all. Uh, his two makes from the field were both at the rim, and I thought that was that was a good sign for Nebraska. But the way they were rebounding, they were attacking the glass. 11 offensive rebounds for Jawan Gary. He finished with 18 total rebounds. That's crazy for anyone in any game, um, especially someone who's not the starting five. Uh, for him to finish 13 points, 18 rebounds, 6 of 16 shooting, but it wasn't the best day on offense for, for either team. Um, Rink Mast, another double-double as well. 19 points, 12 rebounds. He played for 36 minutes, which is even more... Uh, impressive to look back on now that we know that he was going to have a knee procedure done right when he got back to Lincoln. That leads into that'll lead into the North Dakota talk, but that's a big win for Nebraska um, to go on the road to a Big 12 team um, to get that win, get it a double-digit win too. That's really big for Nebraska and their metrics for Nebraska, and if they're they are in the conversation for a postseason berth of any kind, that win is going to stick out, uh, especially the most amongst their non-conference slate, but it could be something that could be a differentiator uh, between you know, a seed or being in the field or being out of the field. It's having a true road win on the road at Kansas State. Uh, that was a very, very important win uh, for Nebraska, and it, I think that my biggest takeaway from it was Let's get more old Big 8 games on the schedule, Big 8, Big 12 opponents. I talked about maybe playing Iowa State after the trip to the Pentagon. Uh, I'd like, I, you know, if it's at the Pentagon or if it's a home-and-home, home, um, can't I, you know, Nebraska finally got something out of this Kansas State series, aside from a tough loss in Lincoln two years ago and, you know, a not-so-neutral neutral site game in Kansas City. But um, this is another, another indicator that there are some – 
some fun basketball matchups to be had if Nebraska can get some old Big 12, Big 8 foes on the schedule. And, you know, if the as the clock's winding out in the visiting team arena, you're hearing very loud go Big Red chants, as we were on, that's on Sunday in Manhattan. That's an even better sign for Nebraska. But they, that's uh, maybe Fred Hoiberg's signature win. Might have been one of them. Uh, it's definitely top three up there with the, the Creighton game in Omaha last season and uh, the Iowa game at the end of the year. I think the, those three may be the three signature Nebraska basketball wins of the Fred Hoiberg era. So fast forward to Wednesday. So three days later, uh, we get word uh, during the day, Robin Washett was the first to report it from Husker Online, that Rink Mast had a minor knee procedure done. And he was out, not just for the game against North Dakota, but out until early January. And I'm sure that made plenty of Husker fans say Nebraska can never have nice things. What like go into panic mode? What are we going to do? What well, this is, this is terrible. And it, you know, rank, we find out, you know, hearing from Fred, you know, after the game, uh, talking to the media. And then, you know, before the game, when he was talking to Kemp Pavelka on the radio too, rank mass didn't practice for three days leading up to the Kansas state game. He got a screening done on his knee and they found, I think in Fred said these are paraphrasing Fred's words. They found a little loose piece of cartilage in Rink's knee. Uh, that explains why he was wearing a brace in Manhattan for the Kansas State game, and he hadn't had a brace on his knee the entire year. They decided to play the Kansas State game and then have a minor cleanup procedure done uh, to get the little piece of cartilage uh, that was floating in Rink's knee uh, cleaned up, taken care of. Uh, they said it was a minor procedure. Um, Fred also said that Rink was already doing um, a treadmill workout the day of uh, on Wednesday, and Fred joked that he was going faster than than he was on the treadmill. But uh, that was the procedure—a small, you know, cleanup uh, routine. Nothing. They weren't repairing any damage. There was a you know a, a loose piece of cartilage in Rink Mass knee, and they got it cleaned up, so that didn't you know affect him further down the line. Um, and then in the immediate, you know, they, Nebraska had a game to play against North Dakota, North Dakota, uh, out of the summit league. They, I've, you know, hearing from, uh, Gary Sharp, voice of the Mavs, um, uh, in Omaha, you can, he said they're, you know, one of the better teams in the summit, not the favorites, but they're in the top half. And, you know, there's, it's the classic Nebraska basketball letdown spot, you know, the buy game. The bye game at home before Christmas, uh, Incarnate Word, Samford, uh, Gardner-Webb. I was a part of the uh, the game against Gardner-Webb and the, the fallout from that. Um, even going back to some of the, the Huck Sadler, you know, Maryland-Baltimore County. Um, North, Fred Hoiberg lost a game at home to North Dakota uh, his first season um, in, in the same setup as well. So it's a spot that Nebraska fans have seen uh, the program lay stinkers, lay eggs um, plenty of times before. And for the first 20 minutes on Wednesday night, it seemed like we were on our way to just that. Nebraska trailed by double digits. They were down 10 at the half. And then they, you know, they were down 14 at one point in the second half. And it was, you know, it was looking like, dire straits for Nebraska. Um, the, the talk of the word cancel 
was coming back on uh, social media, uh, you know, people beginning to worry. And I think part of it had to do with the spot in which the game took place, but part of it also had to do with the absence of mass, what he does for Nebraska offensively, what he does on the glass, the physicality, the leadership. He's one of the more veteran guys. And to be missing that in a spot where, you know, the veteran, you know, experienced guys, they've been through it before, they know all about it. And, you know, it's to be missing that in that spot obviously is going to play a factor. Nebraska down 14, comes back to defeat North Dakota 83-75. to um, They outscored North Dakota in the second half, 51-33. to There was a point where they went on a 14-1 run. They got back to, you know, after a first half where they shot 17 threes in one half, they decided they went back to trying to play downhill, play through the paint. We saw Josiah Alec get more involved in the second half. Uh, he had eight in the second half. Um, you know, they he was you know drib- doing some some post moves. You know, f- hook shots, shots at the rim, and that was important to see him get involved after a, a shaky first half. So eight of Alex ten came in the second half, and just in general, Nebraska was more focused on you know playing inside in the second half, and they imposed their will. They played good defense. North Dakota was making it tricky at the end. They made a, some late threes to be hanging around. Um, you know, North Dakota shot, they both teams shot 11 for 32 from three. Um, they, you know, North Dakota, they've got some dudes. They've got some, um, you know, I'm interested to see how they end up uh, in the summit league. I'll pay a little bit of attention to the summit, you know, for Omaha and some of the local guys that are up in that league, but I'm interested to see how uh, North Dakota ends up. For Nebraska, you know, in the second half, they showed resiliency, showed that fight. They showed, you know, they didn't pack it all in, go home. You know, some past Fred Hoiberg teams maybe would have wilted. They would have, you know, definitely past Fred Hoiberg teams, past Nebraska teams would have lost that game on Wednesday night. And, you know, C.J. Wilcher was pretty honest in the postgame availability. You know, we heard from him and uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, the Jersey boys, and – you know, CJ was pretty blunt, pretty honest, um, you know, said um, previous teams that he'd been on at Nebraska probably would have quit. And, um, you know, I think it, you know, for them to rally, you know, speaks to the the mantra, the mindset, this year's group. And uh, yes, it's a win over North Dakota, but you're 10 and 2. 10 and 2, 1 and 1 in the league. And, you know, that's not a bad place to be before Christmas, but there's still a long way to go. Uh, one more non-con game on Friday, December 29th, against South Carolina State, who is not um, – they're, they're even worse than North Dakota. They're 337th in Ken Palm. They're in the same neighborhood as your Lindenwoods and Florida A&Ms of the world that we saw earlier in the season. But one more non-con game, and then jumping in – to the 18 remaining Big Ten games. So we can finish some uh, Husker talk by looking at the metrics. Speaking of Kenneth Pomeroy, Nebraska is at 51 in Ken Palm at the moment. Projected record 19 and 12, uh, 9 and 11 in the Big Ten, uh, under 500 in the league, 19 wins. Uh, so that'd be 500 the rest of the way if that projection uh, came true. Uh, Bar Torvik has Nebraska 48th projected record on Torvik is 20 and 11, 10 and 10 
in the Big Ten. Um, Nebraska still offensive efficiency rated pretty well on both sites. Um, I will say this, Nebraska's, that North Dakota game was their second lowest scored game of the year on Bart Torvik's game grader. Uh, it's 100, you know, out of 100, and it's, you know, the, there's grades for each game. And Nebraska only got a 35. Uh, the only game lower than that was the Creighton game where they scored a 21. So that speaks to what I was talking about earlier about, you know, things aren't going your way, but still find a way to win. Uh, Torvik also does tourney odds. Current tourney odds for Nebraska basketball listed at 45% with the most likely seed, uh, 9.7. It's pretty close to a 10 seed right now um, if, this, you know, if the season ended today. Evan Mayakawa has Nebraska 62nd in the country. Um, want some good metrics on offense and defense. Um, the... Offensive efficiency was actually pretty high in that North Dakota game, uh, according to Evan's stats. Um, you know they, um, you know Green. Uh, if you if you have a if you look at Evan's site, um, if you you know I think it's worth it. It helps me feel extra dorky looking at stuff like offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. The higher you are in offensive efficiency, you're green. The higher you are in defense, uh, you're red. So it's kind of flip flopped there, but. Um, that was Nebraska. That was Nebraska's highest uh, scored offensive efficiency game since uh, since the since the Cal State Fordham game. They were, was higher than Michigan State, so that's interesting to me to see without Mast. And then there's also best offensive efficiency, defense efficiency, adjusted efficiency uh, lineups: three man, two man, three man, four man, five man. I've mentioned this before. Sam Hoiberg is in there a couple times. Uh, Juwan Gary is a part of almost all of those. Um, I'm interested. Fascinated that Rink Mast is only in one, and that's the three man of Gary Mast Tomonaga. But you could say those maybe the three most important players on the team. So that's what the metrics look like right now for Nebraska. Uh, and then in the net rankings, they are 56th. They have moved up from 60th um, the last time this updated. Um, they um, Kansas State was a quad two win. Nebraska's three and one in quad two. The one loss being Minnesota, but. You know, we'll see how K-State finishes up the season, and maybe that'll be a quad one by the end of the year. The, the net rankings, quads, everyone's favorite thing. But uh, So that's the general overview on Nebraska's last two games, where they are at in the metrics right now. Um, obviously, if you're asking questions about the current state of the team, uh, the question number one is the timetable for rink mast. And talking to Fred Hoiberg, he said the only thing they know is is early January. They didn't have an exact recovery, so it's a case-by-case uh, basis. Obviously, looking at the schedule, South Carolina State, you should be able to you know take care of business in that one without rink mast. Um, but then, you know, conference play. Indiana. Indiana is the f- conference opener on January the 3rd. Indiana's very reliant on their big guys. Um, I'm you know, pretty well tied in with that staff. I watch their games quite a bit. Their top two scorers, uh, Khalil Ware, their five, seven-footer transfer from Oregon. Their second-leading scorer is Malik Renault at 6'9". They pound it inside, and that's because you know their guard play is a little suspect, but also have guys like Mackenzie Mbako, fresh five-star freshman, uh, they play they play through the post a lot. You could use rank mass in that game for sure. Um, and then you know the 
opening stretch of Big Ten games early January. Indiana at Wisconsin, and then Purdue comes to town. You obviously need Rink Mast if you're going to you know, play Purdue. You're going to need him for those doubles that are inevitably coming for Zach Eady. Uh, Wisconsin, he would, you know, obviously draw the assignment on uh, defense. You know, the the two big guys, um, Crowell and Wall, their second and third leading scorers, um, you know, Rink would be going at those guys and, you know, D-ing up against them. So, you know, he, he'd be important on defense and offense in all those games. If he's ready to go for Indiana, that would be – that would be ideal, um, but you know I think Purdue at the latest is when you you for sure need Rink Mass back in your lineup. Um, my second overarching question, and I've said this before, someone set a damn screen for Casey Tomanaga, please go help the man out. Um, I know which he's he's their third leading scorer, thirteen and a half per game on forty three percent shooting, you know, thirty three percent from three, eighty four percent from the line. But I mean, I feel like. You know they still could be you know, running more set plays for Kase, having guys go screen for him. Like, go help the man out. Go get him help. Get him going. You know, he doesn't need that much space. Like, what's what's it gonna take? Who's gonna do it? Josiah Alec, you're back in the lineup. You you're long. You can you know go do. You can go you know set a screen for for Kase, Juwan, Bryce. Like those guys need to get on the perimeter, set a screen for Kase Tomonaga. Like that's all. All I'm asking, all I'm asking, someone, go help the man out. Um, thirdly, um, Sam Hoiberg, backup point guard. Uh, it appears he might be the the long-term solution at backup point guard. We did not see Jerron Coleman touch the court against North Dakota, uh, even at the end of the first half when uh, someone, I forget who was in foul trouble, they put in Kale Jacobson for the last 30 seconds instead of Boogie Coleman. And that was after Fred Hoiberg you know, said that Jerron Coleman had been practicing well, and it would only be a matter of time before he got another chance. So maybe that was all just, you know, coach speak in the end. But, you know, Sam Hoiberg might be your backup point guard now. He's playing a ton of minutes. He's averaging 17, 17 a game. That's, you know, outside of the starters, he's, you know, next guy up, him and uh, C.J. Wilcher, who was nice to see bounce back against North Dakota. I didn't mention that in the, the recap, but CJ had 16 points, 6 to 10 shooting, 4 6 from 3. Another big bounce, good bounce back. CJ Wilter game. Uh, that's probably why we heard from him in the post game. Not probably, it definitely is, but um, CJ is up to 37% from 3 on the year. And, uh, you know, that that became consistent for Nebraska, that'd be, that'd be a pretty big bonus. But, yeah, Sam Hoiberg, backup point guard, he's just... He just makes things happen. He just does. There's a different energy, uh, different you know, different levels to a bunch of stuff. When Sam Hoiberg's on the floor, energy, effort, defense, and that's probably why he's your backup point guard right now. Um, how much more do we see from the freshman Eli Rice, Matar Joe? Eli Rice gave him really good minutes against Kansas State. Made a big three on the run that kind of put the game on ice. Uh, we haven't seen Matar Joe. Score in the last two games. Yeah, he hasn't, uh, but he's also not, you know, using his five fouls right away. Like I was kind of worried he might um, when he was, you know, getting minutes um, early in the year. I forget what game it was, but he had a he had a bunch of fouls in a very short amount of time. That was Florida A and M. He only played for five minutes. 
had four fouls and three turnovers, which is efficiency in some way. But um, I'm interested to see how much we see out of those guys moving forward. Um, you know, if the offense is stagnant, could you bring in Rice, try to use him as a playmaker, either off the dribble for one of those corner threes that he loves? And obviously a 6'10 guy like Joe, um, without rink mass playing, he's definitely going to play more against, uh, you know, I mentioned all those big guys that are coming up in the Big Ten, your Wares, Renault's, Crowell, Wall, and of course the biggest one of them all, Zach Eady. So Jope is obviously going to get some more minutes here in the near future for Nebraska, but, you know, long term, how much more do we see from those guys? And then lastly, I have dubbed myself as the captain of the Bryce Williams hype train. And earlier in the season, I compared him to James Palmer Jr., but I'm going to use an adage that was once uh, thrust upon Isaiah Roby, and it's, does Bryce Williams know how good he can be? And now I know some people are saying, or, or not are saying, but they think he takes too many shots already. He's averaging you know 10 shots a game. He took 12 against North Dakota, was 0-5 from three, but I think Bryce Williams' ascension will be critical. We'll be critical for this team. Um, you know, the, the combination of him and Gary on the court at the same time on the wings, that's a damn good combo um, and stacks up well, you know, against other power teams, Big Ten teams. And if those two are on, Brass is going to be tough to stop. And, you know, they, you know, we I could wax poetic about the impact Juwan Gary has had so far for this team, but I think Bryce Williams... You know, his ascension, you know, he turned it on in the second half of the season last year at Charlotte. Maybe he's just the second part of the season guy so far. But I still think there's more that we could see from Williams uh, going forward. And then, you know, it's getting down to rotation cutting time. Like I said, do we? when do we see Boogie Coleman again? How, what role do these freshmen have? Um, you know, Sam Hoiberg's your second leading minutes. Not second. He's your leading a minute getter off the bench right now. And I'm interested to see how that, what that rotation looks like against Indiana or on the road at Wisconsin and kind of have one more game uh, to tinker with it all against South Carolina State. So that's kind of my questions going forward for Nebraska. Um, the look back at the last two games, um, my Manhattan, Kansas Visitors Bureau uh, opener there uh, to start. But that was, you know, Kansas State, North Dakota, 10 and 2. Can't really, you know, probably should be 11 and 1, too. But 10 and 2 is your record. Uh, Parcell said it. You're, you are what your record says you are. And Nebraska basketball is 10 and 2 before Christmas. So we can end with a look around the Big Ten Conference. The last time I was talking to you guys was on, was before a pretty big day in the league on uh, this past Saturday. Um, Penn State fell to Georgia Tech on what I was told was a bad was a pretty bad call at the end. I you know Penn State's still probably at the bottom of the conference. Indiana led Kansas for most of the game at Assembly Hall. And Assembly Hall, you know, I've I've still never been there. It's one of the Big Ten venues I've never been to. But whenever there's a marquee, you know, ranked team coming into Assembly Hall and Indiana's like slightly the underdog or just the underdog in general, that place is juiced. And that was a really cool environment um, until Indiana just let it slip away. And, you know, Kevin McCuller drawing fouls. He had 21 points, six, 13 of those were at the free throw line. 
And that outdid the Trey Galloway career game uh, where he had 28 on 17 shots. Um, kind of had the game of his life. And Trey Galloway, if you look at him, kind of very stereotypical Indiana basketball look. He's a white dude with goofy hair from Culver, Indiana, who, you know, just <laughs> sneaky athletic, sneaky quick coach on the floor no but he um, he likes to you know he was making a bunch of smart plays you know m- making plays at the rim and then it just kind of you know indiana got cold and you know kansas did not they found a way uh to come back defeat iu 75 71 but the michigan state bounced back they trounced baylor at little caesars arena in detroit you know Izzo probably petitioning to get Michigan State to switch places with the Pistons. Not like the Pistons are doing anything. They've lost 26 games in a row. Might want all their home games the rest of the way to be there. They beat Baylor by 24 coming off the loss to Nebraska. Um, big win for, for Izzo, for Michigan State's confidence. Uh, they got them back to 5-5 five and five on the year, but they, and then they beat Oakland and Stony Brooks, so another two games above. Um, but that game, what a bounce back. You know, Tyson Walker, 25 points. A.J. Hogard, 14. Uh, Trey Holloman, 11 off the bench. You know, Cohen Carr had two pretty big dunks in the second half. That's what Michigan State needs, what they needed to look like. And they, that's a big win on a neutral court. Ohio State over UCLA by seven at the uh, CBS Classic. I think Ohio State, they're in Tier 2 in the Big Ten right now. Uh, their guard play... From Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale, really, really good. Uh, Jameson Battle, still doing Jameson Battle stuff, but he doesn't have to like be the dude there, which I think is a good role for him. Bruce Thornton, he's 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 a problem. He's really fun to watch, in my opinion, and I hope he doesn't have a second half uh, fall off like, uh, oh, who was the guy last year that went? Uh, Bryce Sensabaugh. I loved Bryce Sensabaugh last year. He started the year really hot and was just a one and done, but he was not really good the second half of the season, but Ohio State wasn't really good either. I hope Bruce Thornton can keep it up. I, I think he's really fun to watch. And even though he was he was four of fifteen against UCLA, you know, that was a low scoring, kind of gross game. I don't know what to think of UCLA right now. You know, they're not in the Big Ten yet, but they're gonna be. They're a blue blood marquee. As I sit here recording this a couple hours out, they play Maryland uh second game in a home and home. Uh, at Pauley Pavilion tonight, and that's a big game for both teams because Maryland's seven and four, but they we've talked about their early season struggles, and UCLA is coming off a loss at home to Cal State Northridge, so that's a kind of a that's a big one tonight uh, out in uh, Westwood. But the other Big Ten results, the other Big Ten result that stuck out obviously was Purdue. Uh, they're still in a league of their own, and they showed that again. Uh, handing then number one Arizona their first loss of the season, ninety-two to eighty-four, in Indianapolis and Purdue. Uh, hand up! I've, if you've heard me on my my radio spots recently, I've I've had to admit that I was a doubter. I was a doubter on Purdue. Uh, I thought that the two, I thought Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer overperformed last year. Freshmen aren't supposed to play that well. Uh, and that with combine that with Edie and you know that was I thought that that you know was a was a you know glitch in the matrix. But to start this season, man, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer they've been on a different level uh, against Arizona. Lawyer had twenty seven on eighteen shots, five and nine from three. 
Uh, Smith had 26 on 15 shots, 4-7 from 3. Um, and then Edie with 22 and 9 workmanlike effort for, for the big boy. But, um, you know, those guards, man, I really enjoy watching Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. And it's, you know, just two, two, uh, two, uh, two slight white kids from Indiana who <laughs> wound up at Purdue and they, you know, the, the Indiana stereotype, I mean, Indiana could use a couple guys like that. Some guys who can make shots because <laughs> they can't. Indiana can't make threes to save their life. But Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are damn good. Uh, Lance Jones, Southern Illinois transfer. He's a dog on defense. He's also averaging double figures. He's going to probably you know, defend your best player on the perimeter. Uh, the rest of Purdue's kind of supporting cast, You know, they're, they're solid. We haven't seen a lot out of guys like Ethan Morton. Caleb first, um, you know, those guys we heard from last year, uh, they have another seven foot guy, Will Berg freshman. Um, and then you still have like Mason Gillis and Trey Kaufman Wren. But if those guys are serviceable, you know, they've got three guys who can, you know, go win you a game, you know, not by themselves, but the trio of Edie lawyer and Smith is really good. And I doubted Purdue, but right now they're in a class of their own in the big 10 and they are a favorite, you know, to, Make it to Phoenix and you know cut down nets and break this twenty plus year you know drought for the Big Ten and get Purdue in f- their first national championship. But I was really, I've been incredibly impressed by Purdue in almost every facet. Every time I watch them, I, they have that loss to Northwestern, which Northwestern followed up by losing to Chicago State at home like two weeks later. But Northwestern appears to have you know righted the ship. You know they trounced Arizona State uh, the other night in in Phoenix, and they took care of business against DePaul. But I think they, you know, the top of the Big Ten is is Purdue in a league of its own. Uh, the second tier, you know, there's a gap between the first and second tier, too. Second tier is Illinois, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. And then it's kind of the jumbled up middle, um, kind of everybody else but Minnesota and um, – Minnesota and Penn State, and then it's just bring your brooms because it's a mess in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, as I mentioned a couple times, Nebraska does not play again until the 29th. Um, that's you know uh, Friday night against South Carolina State. I'll give you some games to watch. Um, as I record this, it's Friday afternoon. Uh, Missouri and Illinois are going to play tonight. FS1, bragging rights game from St. Louis. Talked about the Maryland-UCLA game tonight as well. Um, that is a Big kind of benchmark measuring stick for both of those teams. Um, Rutgers hosts Mississippi State tomorrow um, at the Prudential Center, though not at the rack. So that'll be a, technically a neutral uh, for Rutgers. But you know, Minnesota, Mississippi State, pretty good team with Chris Jans. They're off to a good start too. We'll be interested to see how Rutgers holds up there. Uh, after the holiday, we're back into some not great non-con games, uh, a lot of buy games, but I will point this one out. A uh, lot of talk about Jawan Howard recently, his job status, the weirdness at Michigan, uh, HR complaint investigation filed by the strength coach after a little verbal confrontation, uh, internet rumors, all sorts of things. Michigan's first game back from Christmas break is at home against McNeese State. Now, if you didn't know, 
McNeese State's head coach is one Mr. Will Wade. Uh, he goes by Will. His real name's Frank, but that's for another day. Will Wade, um, his escapades are well-documented. Uh, the FBI fired at LSU, show cause. He's back in the game at McNeese State, uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, um, the uh, Southland. I think they're in the Southland, right? And McNeese is off to a 10-2 and two start. They are super athletic. And the way Michigan's been up and down, you know, if you get the notification that uh, Will Wade's McNeese State Cowboys beat Michigan next week, uh, don't be surprised. That game is on the same, uh, same night as the Nebraska game. Uh, that game will be on BTN at some point, but one to watch uh, McNeese State going to Ann Arbor next week. So that's kind of some games to watch. Look, little look around the Big Ten uh, and an overview, obviously, of Nebraska. But So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Obviously, it is the holiday season, the season of giving. Um, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who has tuned in uh, to the pod so far. I know we've been a little inconsistent with scheduling and when episodes come out, but I want to rest assured that every single person who either has followed the show on the podcast platform of your choice, tuned in, I uh, know you're appreciated. The positive feedback has been awesome. It means a lot to me. Uh, the sports thing is not my full-time job. I'd like it to be my full-time job, but um, the podcast has gotten off to a really great start and I'm thankful for each and every one of you for tuning in each and every week. So whatever holiday you're celebrating this time of year, um, happy holidays. If you're celebrating Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. Um, I will talk to you just before the new year, uh, 2023 about to come to an end. We can look back on the year for Nebraska basketball, uh, basketball in general. What was my favorite? Maybe what was my favorite, uh, arena I visited in 2023. There's plenty on that list, but until next time, be sure to tell someone you love them. Enjoy some time with family. I hope this holiday season brings some great joy, uh, to all of you and some quality time with family and some memories to be made. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and I'll talk to you all soon.